2: The numbers told the story; they always do. This is a numbers game
3: with Gil Alexander on Visa. One of those idiots who believe in analytics.
2: Good Monday morning tune is a numbers game at Visa. The sports betting network, Visa.com. the Visa Fubo sling game plus iHeartRadio, YouTube, TV. It's all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, when they get the uh, Visa plus 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 subscription, oh boy, is that going to be worth it for off air stuff? That is worth the price of admission. Alone. That was that was actually that would have probably
3: been the best <laughs> off-air pre-show content we've ever had. I would say uh, well, we've had some, it, was it was up
2: there. It was up there. It was up there. Good good show today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Today on the show, Preston Johnson will join us. The amazing story of Preston Johnson, who is the uh, Wagme United co-founder, Crawley Town co-chairman. He will join us. Uh, by the way, everything I just said, some people are like, what did you just say? me United co-founder, Crawley Town co-chairman. What? What? Speak English. Uh, Preston Johnson, who, remember, was on Daily Wager for a while. Remember, he was on our show, A Numbers Game, and we used to do the Beating of the Book podcast, College Football Bowls together. Um, he is, of course, made it big. And made it hugely big. And we'll talk to Preston about the whirlwind of a life that he has. Not only that, he's got NBA thoughts. How about that? Still has time to watch the NBA. And he's got thoughts on the playoffs. Paul Spohr will, uh, will join us to talk baseball. What up with the Giants? What about them Giants? What about this kid, Sasaki, who might be the greatest pitcher who's ever walked the earth? We'll find out about that from Paulie. Uh, and what does he think about Joe Madden walking Corey Seager with the bases juiced on Friday night? We'll get into that. JVT on the NBA. Uh, that looking forward to that. All of Jonathan Vaught-Tobel's thoughts on uh, all eight first round games, all game ones that we saw this weekend. And I've got NFL draft bets that I've made all weekend long. Yes, Jeff. Just a quick note on Preston,
3: real quick, Gil, mm-hmm. because his uh, his football club, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Crawley town is actually in action while we are, uh, oh, while really? we are uh, on the air. Yes. I just uh, threw it through it in the quick Google machine and Crawley town and uh, league two over there in, yeah. uh, in England, taking on Walsall right now. Sure. So there you go. What's the score? Uh just started.
2: So N- no, nil story. nil. I think they're two and Oh, under his stewardship. We call We're it. A stewardship. It <laughs> two and God, I hope they win now, <laughs> now that you mentioned that they're playing right now. What if he's all in a bad mood when he gets here? Oh, we don't want that. Uh, But I did make NFL draft bets. I only, and I put that in quotes, because they're they're typical NFL draft years where I have tons of plays. I got six here, uh, what are we, 10 days, 11 days before the National Football League draft, and oh, I got things to say about Vegas and the lack of draft opportunities, betting-wise. First, though, Jeff, let's talk about these games this past weekend in the NBA. All game ones in all eight series, and let's talk about the one that really was not only the marquee matchup on paper, not only have I called it the best first-round series on paper in the history of NBA first rounds, but game one lived up to the hype. And the Boston Celtics got it done, 115-114. to They win at the buzzer against the Brooklyn Nets. They do not cover the four points. The total does go over on the uh, final shot of the game. But what a final sequence in this. The Nets go up three because Kyrie hits another cold-blooded three. And the final possessions of the game, Jalen Brown basically untouched to the rack for a layup. Complete defensive botch by the Nets. So they stayed up one point. Nets final possession, absolute Absolute phenomenal defense from the Celtics. Kyrie has doubled all over the court. Suffocating defense. They end up with a uh, KD prayer as the shot clock ran out. Not a good shot. Horford gets the rebound. And the Celtics do not call timeout on the last possession. They're down one. Marcus Smart, Jalen Bradley, everybody just with their heads about them, not throwing up some ridiculous shot. And then KD lost track of Jason Tatum. He gets fed, spin, move around Kyrie, bucket at the buzzer. So you had, after the Kyrie, after the Kyrie three, you had two really bad defensive sequences. Certainly the first one was awful by the Nets. The second one, I guess you could say was bad too, because KD completely lost track of Jason Tatum. That was his guy. And the Celtics with an unbelievably great defensive sequence on the Nets' last possession. And that right there, in a synopsis, is ultimately what might be the deciding factor of this series. Not on the offensive side of the ball, defense. And the Celtics get it done. They lead the best of seven series one to nothing. There is the the specter, by the way, adjusted series prices. Celtics now minus two twenty five with the one nothing lead. Nets plus one eighty coming back. There is this notion of Ben Simmons now practicing. Not a notion. He is supposed to practice against his teammates. And there is a notion that he will come back later in this series. And I'll ask of you, Jeff, what I asked of JVT last week, which is, is that a good thing for the Nets? Or is that a detriment in your eyes? Do they want that? I mean, I get on paper, he's a wonderful thing, right? But to just insert him in a game four, let's see, of a series? Well, Gil, the,
3: he hasn't played in over a year. The last time we saw him, he was probably better off if he wasn't on the court. I would lean towards it's probably not a good thing unless the only thing Brooklyn is asking him to do is run around and guard Jason Tatum for 15 to 20 minutes a game, which is a very difficult task for a guy yeah. who hasn't played in over a year. So I would lean towards that. I don't think it would be a detriment, but I don't think it would help. So why bother? Also, one, one last thing on the end of game sequence all the way around Start, uh, starting with the two defensive stands for Boston, you really could tell what team had been playing together the whole year mm-hmm. and knew what they were doing in a scramble mode situation and what team has not played together the entire year because of injury and obviously Kyrie's whole situation. So that was, uh, Gil, that was just a, really was a beautiful play all the way around by Boston. Just the composure by, by Marcus Smart to know exactly how much time was left Tatum to make that beautiful move and just get it off his finger in time. Really just a, a, a great play all the way around. And and for Boston, it would have really hurt if they lost that game. Because then oh, yeah. Brooklyn steals home court back. And it's going to be hard to beat, beat this net team four out of six in any circumstance for anyone,
2: Gil. It lived up to the hype. Game one did anyway. Best game of the weekend for sure. I said it before. I don't think the nets are getting out of the first round. Jason Tatum may have saved that statement with that uh, bucket at the end. Uh, As far as my Raptors bet, series against the Sixers, uh uh-oh. Not just because of the Game 1 outcome in which the Sixers pretty handily took down the Raptors, but the fact that the Raptors are now really banged up. So Scotty Barnes, obviously one of the favorites to win Rookie of the Year, suffering a left ankle sprain when Embiid, Accidentally stepped on his foot in the fourth quarter of game one on Saturday. Then you have Thaddeus Young uh, sprained his left thumb in the second quarter, left that game. And then you also have the Gary Trent Jr. undisclosed illness. And Nick Nurse says none of those three guys are likely to play in game two tonight. None of them. Sixers favored by seven and a half as a result at home in this game against the Raptors. So, again, let me just say this about the Raptors' pre-flop bet. Uh Uh-oh. Because you can't anticipate injuries like that. That ain't fun. But keep in mind, when they go back to Toronto, no Matisse-Thibel. So that does sort of swing at the Raptors' way. But they can't afford the injuries. You can't have Scottie Barnes out of these games. So that's rough, for sure, in that series. But the Sixers got it done uh, quite handily in Game 1 on Saturday to the tune of a – 131 to 111 score. Some of the other ones, the one seeds, both of the one seeds yesterday, the the heat absolutely destroying the Hawks in the early morning. I don't think anything about that series is, I mean, can the Hawks take a game? Sure. This was a really, again, you brought this up, Jeff, that for the teams, the Hawks and the Pelicans, for the teams that had to play two play-in games, these were really tough turnarounds. Heat crushed the Hawks 115-91. to 91. By the way, it was worse than that. Easily covering his seven-point spread. And then last night, the Suns did get the best of the Pelicans. Pelicans made a run. Suns ended up winning at 110-99. Pelicans got within six, and then Chris Paul happened. Chris Paul, there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where Chris Paul scored 17 of the Suns' 19 points and assisted on the other two. And that was the end of that. The Pelicans run was stopped, you know, stopped in their tracks. So the Suns and the Heat get it done as one seeds very easily. The Bucks and the Bulls yesterday, the Bucs end up beating the Bulls. They win game one of their best of seven series in the 3-6 uh, game, the matchup that the Bucs wanted. The Bulls led by, I want to say five or six at the, you know, towards the end of the third quarter. And then it was just like, give me the ball, Giannis. Just let me take it to the rack. That lead dissipated in a heartbeat. Bulls gave it a run at the end, but the Bucs got it done, and you wonder if that was the Bulls' chance to win a game. So really, honestly, the only game of the weekend that went, you know, not according to form, you have to go back to Saturday where the T-Wolves beat the Grizzlies 130-117. to If I came to you before the weekend and said, hey, the one, the one game that's not going uh, to feature, uh, you know, the, the, the favorite winning... If it was, if I told you it was that game, you'd probably say, "Oh yeah, I could see that." Did, did that worry you after seeing that game? Does that worry you that the that actually the fear about the Grizzlies that they're not going to be a good postseason team will come through here? Yeah,
3: I, look, you don't want to overreact the game to one game, Gil, but the one problem that Memphis might have is that players—you could argue players two, three, and four in that series. Talent-wise, are all on Minnesota, so it's going to be a lot on John Morant to carry the Grizzlies, and they couldn't get stops when they needed to in that game against Minnesota, and if Anthony Edwards is going to play like he has oh. the last two games, T-Wolves are going to have a legitimate
2: shot to pull the upset. Anthony Edwards, the least talked about, great, overall number one pick in a draft that wasn't an outright bust. Would we agree to that statement? a lot of words in that sentence. So unless you're (laughs) you're Anthony Bennett, let's say, right? No one ever talks about this dude. Amazing. We'll come back. My NFL draft picks that I made. Bets, that is.
4: Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network.
2: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports, BetMGM, with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling prompt call 1-800-522-4700. Skill Alexander. Jeff Parlay here as well on a numbers game at and the Sports Betting Network. Uh, for folks wondering also about Kyrie, flipping the bird once to the fans, flipping the double bird behind his head. Did you catch that move? And then, of course, shouting an expletive. At a fan. Was that at halftime? It was after the game. Or after the game? Responding to the Kyrie suck. Comment against him. You're wondering, does a player get suspended for that kind of thing? The answer is no. Like, if you go back into, like, the annals of NBA suspensions and fines, the whole Rod Thorne years, players never got suspended for that. Always a fine. They would fine people for the use of weed, for instance, for like smoking weed. They would, they would, they would find like Cephalosha got six games for weed or five games for weed back in 2018. But for gestures against fans, no fines. So Kyrie's not going to miss any games, in case one was wondering about that. The only two uh, series we didn't talk about first one, first game on the weekend, Saturday morning, the Jazz and the Mavericks. The Mavericks, obviously, without Luka. The Mavericks took the Jazz to the brink. Did that say more to you about the Jazz or more about the Mavericks? If Luka was in the series, Dallas would win this
3: series. Sure. I really feel good about that after seeing what happened in game one. Utah, they're just a team that it's pretty evident that their two stars just don't like each other anymore. And... If it wasn't for Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich oh, was awesome on Saturday. Saved him, yeah. I, they would. They They might. They very well might have lost that game to the Luka-less Mavs, which then all sorts of pressure would have been on Utah to at least get one in Dallas. Now they did what they needed to do. If Luka's not back, and I know Dallas is hopeful for him to maybe come back later in the series, it's going to be awfully hard for that Dallas team. There's just not enough scoring on that team without Luka there.
2: Jazz favored by five and a half tonight. Would you Would you take the points with the Mavs? Would you lay them with the Jazz? I wouldn't lay them. Yeah, I wouldn't either. 206, the total on this one. And then the only other one, and this just brings joy to my heart, man. The Warriors and the Nuggets. And remember, prior to this game, Clay, Steph, Draymond had only played 11 minutes together. Since 2019, quite frankly. And the Warriors got it done against the Nuggets without much of a contribution from Steph, who was on a pitch count. Steph didn't even start. Clay was awesome. Jordan Poole was the most awesome of the bunch, and the reason that I put a just you know just warm my heart is because you did get a glimpse and you did get that feeling that there is nothing quite as beautiful as beautiful Warriors basketball. And Jokic, as great as he is, and he was great, but if he doesn't have any soldiers with him, they don't they don't have a shot against the Warriors. They get reinforcements, different story. But in the current mode, I don't think so. Warriors favored by a touchdown tonight. Favored by seven in San Francisco against the Nuggets. Maybe we'll see if uh, if Steph starts. Maybe we'll see if his his, uh, minute count increases. It will over the course of the series. But this was the beauty of getting Steph back in a series against a Nuggets team that doesn't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter saying, I could come back perhaps during this series. But this was the beauty of it because the Warriors got to ramp up against a weakened Nuggets team. You want to jump in?
3: Yeah, no. If you're if you're Golden State, just slow roll it. Yeah, you don't need to have Steph play more than 25 minutes in this series, uh, 25 minutes a game in this series in order to win it. They just, you said it perfectly. There's just no without the reinforcements, Denver gets a game, losing
2: yeah. five. Yeah, maybe something like that. We'll see. Should be fun. Uh, NFL draft, real quick before we go to talk to JVT about the uh, the NBA playoffs here momentarily again. Uh, I increased my number of NFL draft bets this weekend from two to six. But I just want to just point out here for those um, for those who are in the state of Nevada, what a horrible state of affairs it is with the NFL draft and betting. You have at this point William Hill and Stations deserve the biggest shout out because they've had the they've had the bets up, they've had the props up for a couple weeks now in both cases, and in both spots, William Hill and Stations. They will take bets. They will take large wagers of at least a dime. Have from the beginning. Now we see the addition of MGM and we saw the addition of Boyd. Bet MGM Nevada's offerings are not vast. They will take a bet, though. Boyd's are, but they won't really take that high of a bet. But essentially you have... The other names that I've left out, in some cases, they're only putting them up on Monday and leaving them up for three days. Because remember, by Nevada gaming regulation, those have to be taken down the day before. So you literally, you thought, because the NFL draft is going to be here in Las Vegas, we thought, oh, it's going to be this great menu of, no, uh uh-uh. It's gone the other direction. And I just have to say, like, it's, it's super, it's super disappointing. And yes, oh, I get it. They, they, they get beat every year on these. Yeah, like, I get it. We, here on this show, we've crushed on the NFL draft year after year after year. In fact, our history here on this show, Jeffrey, with the NFL draft goes back to, well, let's say, 2018. Still my pinned tweet. Where we stared Joe Asher in the face and we had William Hill capitulating to us. Because we took them to task on basically lying about their NFL drafts and not wanting to pay and making up stories about what their draft props are. That was just four years ago. Feel free to watch that pinned tweet, whatever you want. Well, wait till after the show. Watch it. By the way, I've aged horrifically in four years. Let me just point that out about that. About that. Presidential term for you, Gil. <laughs> it's just, hor- just unbelievably startling to look back and be like, wow, what a young kid you were. Anyway, that, was, that, took, that took some onions back then to do. And literally, we had Bogdanovich calling us right after the segment, tell everybody to call him, we'll pay him. We take great pride in that, by the way, how soon lots of folks have forgotten about that, but we did that. So now you would hope four years later, after PASMA was ruled unconstitutional, you would hope that this would be you know. By the way, shout out William Hill under new management; they completely are above board taking bets. Shout out to stations who are who are who take bets much larger than you would think. But the notion that the that there's lots of shops that are pulling back on it because they just don't want to have anything that they ever possibly could lose on. By the way, I have, I have news for you. I'm not sure I'm winning on any of these this year. That's the that's the irony of this. This is the most nebulous, sort of vague run-up to the NFL draft that I think there's ever been, at least in our five-year stint here at Veasan. Here are the bets that I have so far. I don't, I, I don't remember ever being this sort, of, sort of having this lack of confidence going into it. Because I knew in those other years, I'm like, oh man, I might go eight and zero, I might go nine and zero. There were years where we, I think we had an eight zero and one. We had a five and zero another year. We had a like 11 1 and 1 another year. This year, I only have six so far. And I, listen, I'm not so sure about any of these. First cornerback drafted took a flyer on Derek Stingley at plus 280. He's a big dog to be the first quarterback drafted. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, supposed to be the first, minus 400 ish. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round, I'm over three minus 115. That's at stations. First one was at William Hill. This one's at stations. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round, I went over three minus 115. I believe that's a push at worst. Wide receivers drafted in the first round, I went over six plus 140. That's right. I went over six plus 140. I like the price at stations. And again, my North Star on the quarterbacks and the wide receivers harkens back to a Daniel Jeremiah quote best mock drafter out there who essentially made the best point, which is look at all these salaries. Forget the quarterback salaries. Look at all the salaries that these wide receivers, middling wide receivers are getting. The importance of NFL teams having quarterbacks, as we've always documented on this show, and now wide receivers on rookie deals where they can control the costs is so is, is, has never been more important. And so with that, I am doing the over on the quarterbacks at three and over on the wide receivers at six. I feel it's push at worse on both. Total number of safeties in first round, under one and a half at plus 188. Some of these bets, you just have to be willing to, you know, hey, if I, if I get beat, if two safeties get drafted in the first round, God bless you, tip of the cap. But under one and a half at plus 188. The only problem was that was at Boyd, and so it's not like a huge bet. Draft position on two corners. Derek Stingley under 11 and a half, minus 110. Draft position on Ahmad Gardner under seven and a half minus 130 both of those at Boyd as well so those are my those are my six NFL draft bets and that's the irony of all this again it's like this is the most nebulous draft of them all because the quarterback situation is the hardest to wrap your hands around because of the group of the group of talent or the talent of the group of five that people are talking about isn't really up to snuff And you have the historical quirk where eight teams have two picks. A quarter of the league has two picks. And a quarter of the league doesn't have a pick at all in the first round. And that makes things a little janky. JVT on the NBA. Next, we'll get back to more NFL Draft later. It's a numbers game at Visa the Sports Betting Network.
4: The Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on Veesen, the sports
2: betting network. The NFL draft is right here in Las Vegas. We'll have extensive coverage including mock drafts from Matt Humans, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, will give his draft analysis. Mike Pritchard, Veesen host, who was a first round pick, Sean King, Super Bowl winning champ, they'll give you insight on who you can bet on. And of course, the great Brent Musburger, voice of the Raiders, he'll give his draft best bets and our NFL draft betting guide. Sign up today to get full access to Veesen through the NFL draft for only $19 at veesen.com slash spring Matt Kelly and I Matt Brown Kelly Bidlin and I uh, will be doing the draft on Thursday night the first round on primetime action right here live from the South Point we're doing five hours on Thursday night Jeff can't wait I would venture to say the draft is our most fun night of the entire year how about that Brady said this last week too I think he's right the draft is almost As fun, if not more fun, than the actual season itself. Why? Because it's Christmas for adults. Hope springs eternal. Oh, man, if your team gets this person or if your team gets that guy, oh, man. Or if your team messes it up, it's equally fun. Or if some team, like the Raiders, of course. The Raiders don't have a first-round pick this year, so we we won't get the pleasure. At least it doesn't look like we'll get the pleasure of having the Raiders completely overdraft somebody. Wide receiver with excellent speed. Oh my God, we've got to draft him. What pick does we do it? Doesn't matter what pick number we have. We have got to get him. The Raiders have never historically understood the draft. So that's that is. By the way, we get tweets at beating the book. I want to read these? Uh, we get text and tweets at beating the book. This is a text. I will not say from whom. Uh, but they. But the text is. The text is as follows. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. On my, uh, 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 on my screen right now, I can bet the Super Bowl coin toss for next year, but no draft props up. That says it all. On my screen, I can bet the Super Bowl coin toss next year, but no draft props up. This is, from, uh, this is another text. Craziest rule in Vegas is that all the draft props taken down 24 hours before the draft. People will be flying and be like, what, no draft props? LOL. It's going to happen. People who are coming in, they're expecting a half a million people? Anywhere between four hundred to 500,000 people on the Strip? Wait till they get a load of that the 24 hours before the draft. Now to the, uh, to the tweets at Beating the Book. Always appreciate the, uh, the feedback on all kinds of subjects here. This is The Better Life, Tim Lawson. I cannot wait to hear more from uh, Preston Johnson and his venture with Crawley later on the show. I'm excited for all of gambling Twitter to be rocking new Crawley Town kits at the next bet bash. Can't wait to talk to Preston a little later on the show. This is from uh, Benny, Benny Brigman. Gil, let's be honest. Nevada's not a leader in any facet of wagering. I mean, seriously, try to name one thing Nevada's the leader of. Oh, Benny, I had a snarky response for that, but I won't give it out here. Phil Weiss, at least you're able to get limited bets in. Here in New York, they can't even deal the draft or individual awards. Yeah, that's true. Tom from uh, Tom from Steady, he said, any update on NFL draft pops and draft props in Pennsylvania can't find a single book that offers anything sports book malpractice. Is that true? Pennsylvania not offering any draft props? That's the first I'm hearing about that.
3: I'm not well versed in the Pennsylvania uh, ones right now, but we'll we'll have to figure that out.
2: Yeah, interesting. The reason I get the, the reason that this again hits so close to home is because when we did this four years ago, four years ago was right before PASPA was ruled unconstitutional. So it was April of 2018. PASPA got ruled unconstitutional May 14th of 2018. So books back then were still very wild, wild west, and they figured as much as they think they can get away with now, they, in those days, oh, man, are you kidding me? When Nevada was the only, the only game in town or game in the country, and some of these were unscrup- unscrupulous – how come I can't say that word – unscrupulous books? They thought they'd get away with anything, and legit, we went after it. We went after William Hill, and so you just, you, you had hoped, you would have hoped that this had evolved in a perfect way since then. And again, I'm not at all going after William Hill now. They're among the best at doing this. But remember in those days, remember in those days of the network, if we're to be honest with you, the network, like a lot of people were, like, would take shots at the network and be like, oh, you guys are in bed with the books. We proved otherwise back then. Let's do better with NFL draft props. Give the people something. It's good long-term business. Ladies and gentlemen, he's our senior NBA analyst. He's also the co-host of The Edge here on the network. It's Jonathan Tobel. How are you doing, JVT?
5: I'm good. I'm good, man. It was a good weekend. I feel like I'm coming off of a bender. Just, you know, four games <laughs> all day. Just watching the NBA the whole time. It was
2: awesome. Did you, wa- did you watch every second of every game?
5: As much as I possibly could, you know there was an there was like 20 minutes in their kill where I had the audacity, you know, Visa makes me do a show on Sunday. so what? I had to drive in and miss, yeah, uh-huh. I had to miss a couple of minutes of the Celtics game, but other than that, yes, watched the, every single second of every game.
2: Yeah, well, okay, let me start with because I, I want to crescendo to to Brooklyn, obviously, but let me start with the one eight. Were those two games for you? And yes, yes, there was there was a flirtation last night where New Orleans got it close with Phoenix. Uh, Late in the late in the uh, or I should say in the fourth quarter till Chris Paul went crazy on him. Uh, But generally speaking, by the the heat just absolutely destroyed the Hawks. And I guess my question on both of those to you is, do you think that both of those games are an example or a portent of things to come in both series? Or were those just really bad spots for the teams that had to play 2 play in games and we should just kind of put those games to the side?
5: I think with the Hawks series, you could probably make a better case that you put that one to the side, mainly because like it was really weird watching that first game, like or that first quarter where they're really slow getting into their sets. You know, one of the plays that sticks out is they, they take seven seconds to run like a pin down for Deandre Hunter, who like takes a jab step mid-range jumper on one of those possessions. Like it was really weird watching Atlanta execute because I, I figured, and look, you're going to get mismatch hunts in, in the NBA more regularly. But, but nobody does it better than Trey Young. they I mean, they go back to that play and giving in Cleveland. Every possession, he was on the floor with Larry Mark. And then it was like, you come over here. You defend me. I'm going to come after you. And I thought they would go after Max Strus more. They didn't do much of that. They weren't hitting their three-point shots. And they were open with three-point shots. They weren't hitting in the first half. And still, it was reasonable after the first quarter uh, and somewhat into the second. So I think that's like the one where you're kind of expecting more of a, a competitive matchup throughout the series. When it comes to Phoenix and New Orleans, I think there's potential that the uh, the Suns are probably going to run them out, but I will say this: you saw yesterday. One, you know, I've mentioned to you before, and I've preached going into that play-in that the Pelicans' new lineup was awesome. Jackson Hayes is a power forward. Jonas Valanciun is at the center. Like there was a lot of different things you could look at there uh, with them and say, "Man, this team's going to be really competitive and make their way into a playoff." But when you actually looked at the way they played against the Clippers and the way they played against the Suns, Hayes got played off the floor. And unless they're going to start to roll with Larry Nan to go a little bit smaller, which they did, it's going to be a little bit more competitive. But that's such a bad matchup for the, the, uh, the Pelicans that I think that's probably going to go the way we kind of saw it yesterday.
2: Of the eight games what was the outcome, and maybe not just even in the result, maybe not a win-loss, but maybe that it was kept closer than you thought, maybe that it was a bigger blowout than you thought. What was the outcome that surprised you the most?
5: I would say Philly and Toronto. And it's not just because they won by 20 points. And, you know, I have the series but before they started – It was the way that they did it, Gil. If you look at their transition numbers in that game, it was insane. You would think that the roles were flipped, that the Philadelphia 76ers all of a sudden became the Toronto Raptors. The 76ers aren't a team that likes to run a whole lot, and yet they started over 15% of their possessions with a transition play. Their offensive rating in transition was 190. It was incredible what they were able to do in the fast break against the Toronto Raptors. And not only because you don't really see Philly run that much or get out in the break that much, but because Toronto's actually really good transition defense as well as a transition offense. So I think, to me, that was surprising. It wasn't surprising that Philadelphia won uh, because Philly is still a good team, even though I bet against them in this series – was the way that they did it, getting out in transition and running as well as they did, shooting as well as they did too, uh, which was a really big – not an outlier for them, but they're not that good of a shooting team. It was incredible the shots that were going down for them from the perimeter. So I think the, the way that they beat Toronto was pretty surprising. But I'll say too, you know, that, you, know you always look for little, like little bits of hope in all of these games, and I think the hope for Toronto is that even in losing some guys to injury, even in getting blown out, still had an offensive rating of about 122 in that game, Still shot the ball extremely well. Were able to do what they wanted in transition, too. So there's little things that you look at Toronto and say it's not as ugly as that first game looked, but I think that's the, the surprising thing for me. It's the way that Philly blew them out, not exactly that they did.
2: Yeah, Barnes, Young, and Trent not expected to go tonight. I mean, that's bad, yeah. but but they do have the matisse vac- you know non-fully vaccinated thing happening when they get back to Toronto, so that is obviously uh, a key bit of hope. That's a little trump card they have in their back pocket as well moving forward in that series. Uh, Before the break here, let me just get your thoughts on the Warriors. Did you have the same reaction there where there was just a little bit of that game where you're like, oh, this reminds me just a little bit of Warriors championship teams. Like, could they be a thing to you for sure down the road here in the playoffs?
5: Uh, Absolutely. And you, you want to know why, and I think this is probably what it was too for you, Uh, They have a new death lineup, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that lineup looks really good with Poole and Curry, Clay, uh, Draymond, and Wiggins. It is reminiscent of that original death lineup, not the Hamptons Five with Kevin Durant, but the original one that that got them really far when they first burst onto the scene with Iwadala and whatnot. That was a really, really good performance. That lineup was out on the floor for five minutes and outscored the Nuggets by 14 points in those five minutes. And I think that's kind of why you saw, like, I, I'm with you. Like, I had flashbacks. Like, ooh, wow, like, this looks like the team that we kind of expected coming into the season and the team that was so dominant all those years ago, even though it wasn't that long ago. But yes, I, I had those same flashbacks. They, they were a really good performance.
2: All those years ago, man, I, I have, hey, trust me, when I think about the San Francisco Giants World Series, like the fact that the last was eight yeah. years ago just boggles my mind. Soon the Warriors will be in that uh, rear view as well, but maybe not if they have something to say about this year. We'll come back more with JVT, his thoughts on tonight's games, some picks, and, of course, Brooklyn-Boston next. Alexander on v the sports betting network. Attention, BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account, click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit bedmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. We get tweets, bunch of tweets. On the availability or lack thereof of NFL draft props, Trip Tepper gives us the most all-encompassing one of all of them. So thank you, Trip, for this. He says, NFL draft betting prohibited in, here you go, Jeff, mark these down, New York, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Connecticut, North Carolina, and Virginia. New York, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Connecticut, North Carolina, and Virginia. We think that... Uh, we think that, that North Carolina has one operator, but the other five states. So twenty. So basically 24, 25 you can, plus D.C. Half the ones in Nevada making it a three-day event, apparently. Jonathan Tobel joins us at JVTs, where you can follow him on Twitter, by the way. He's our senior NBA analyst, also co-host of The Edge, which he does, which he does with Matt Humans here every day on the network. Um, OK, let's get to first of all, let's get to tonight's picks because I don't want to uh, run yeah. you into a wall on those. Uh, let's get your thoughts on all three of these threes tonight. Not a quadruple header, but a triple header tonight. Raptor Sixers uh, Raptor Sixers game two. No, it appears, according to Nick Nurse, no Scotty Barnes, no Thaddeus Young, no uh, Gary Trent Jr. Sixers favored by seven and a half total 217 and a half 730 Eastern on this one. Uh, So,
4: I bet this under 218, and we're starting to see some 216.5s pop up in the market. It's going to start to head that way, uh, Gil. And and really, if you look at that first game, you know, when we were talking about how surprising that was, it was surprising for many reasons, uh, but it was still a really slow-paced game. Only 90 possessions in that game, uh, 84 possessions for Toronto before garbage time kicked in, uh, which, you you know, when you track stats over on Cleaning the Glass, it's how they sort out their numbers during some of these games, essentially during a blowout. Uh, But offensive rating of 151.8 for Philadelphia in that game. Offensive rating of 126.2 for Toronto in that game. But still, a slow-paced contest. You don't think you're going to get the same shooting numbers that you got uh, in that game. Uh, you also expect another slow-paced game. It's how these two teams played throughout the regular season and the absences potentially uh, what looks very likely of Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes. I just don't expect this to get anywhere near the point total that it did on Saturday. So I bet this under 218, Markets is heading in that direction. And that's the, that's the way I attacked it from here. I was toying with over the weekend laying six and a half with Philly mainly because I knew the market was probably going to react to the news of all the injuries. And sure enough, we're up to seven and a half, uh, but don't have a
2: play on the side. All right, second game tonight, which is only on NBA TV for those who yeah. are searching for this tonight game two of the Jazz and the Mavericks. This is the one that started things off on Saturday morning. A game with the Jazz won 99 to 93, no Luca, obviously, but it really came down to it was a one point game. Jazz were up one. And Maxi Kleber got a look at a three with about 95 seconds left, and he completely short-armed. It. it was just an awful shot. And then Royce O'Neal comes down with just under a minute, hits the three, dagger, Steve Buckhans, dagger for the Jazz, and that's what got the Jazz the victory in the end. So same thing, we'll run it back, no Luca, Jazz favored by five and a half. Total is 206. Yeah, and this opened to a four over
4: the weekend. So this is starting to go up, and I would agree with that. I mean, for me, it's just – well, let's start with Dallas first. Dallas offensively, it's just – are you, what are you getting more out of in terms of Jalen Brunson? Well, he scored 24 points. It took 24 shot attempts. If you watch the way the Jazz defended him, they were perfectly happy with just using their bigger body dudes and matching up with them one-on-one. They switched everything in terms of screens for him, and they were comfortable doing that so they could stay home on shooters. The way that you beat Utah is dribble penetration and kicking it out to the shooters, but Utah didn't really need to worry about helping off the of shooters because Brunson wasn't really getting anything within four feet of the basket and sure enough in this game, uh, they were just 8 to 16, the Jazz, within, or excuse me, the Mavericks within four feet. Uh, nothing's really going to change, I think, with that matchup. I mean, unless Brunson's going to come into this game 6-5 all of a sudden, th- that, dis- that disadvantage is going to be there. And you look at some of these other numbers, out-rebounded the Mavericks, 53-34, to 34. 13 offensive rebounds. Uh, thir- like It was incredible. And if Mitchell just has a slightly better performance, remember he scored 30 of his 32 points in the second half, and I'm talking about just more even in the first half, I can expect that Utah's probably going to cover this number. So I haven't bet this yet, but I think I'm going to be on uh, Jazz minus five and a half by the time we get to tip off, because I think Utah's just got so many advantages that are baked into this without dotage on the floor that it's going to play a little bit better in their strength uh, this time around. All
2: right. And then the nightcap tonight, uh, the Warriors, one would assume, would add a few minutes at least to uh, Steph Curry's yeah. legend tonight. They're favored by seven and a half. Again, over the Nuggets, Nuggets still waiting on reinforcements.
4: Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised. So the market, the total's down to 221.5. It's flashing right now at circa. Uh, so there's a pretty dramatic drop here uh, in terms of the number because it opened 224 and a half. So we'll see if maybe there's some injury news that we didn't expect. Uh, but I would say this. This this is all about whether or not the, the uh, Nuggets are going to show up offensively because defensively they're not going to. Uh, since the beginning of March, they were the 21st ranked defense in the NBA, giving up 117.8 points per 100 possessions and non-garbage time minutes. I mentioned the death lineup that the uh, Warriors can now roll out there. Curry's got a game under his belt now too. So he's going to be more comfortable in the starting lineup. Uh, I don't expect that the Nuggets are going to to be able to stop the Warriors um, defensively. So now it's about your offense and executing at a higher level. The Warriors are perfectly fine with going one-on-one with uh, Nikola Jokic. Kavon Looney does an okay job. Draymond Green is fine. It's about stopping the others. Aaron Gordon is a guy who needs to perform better here. He's averaged eight points in the series, if you include game one and the regular season. Uh, He has been really bad in this game, or excuse me, in this series against Golden State. Draymond Green's did a really good job on him as well. It's just all about whether or not the Nuggets offensively are going to show up at a higher level, and I'm just not sure if that's going to be the case. Uh, I had a lean here toward the Warriors, but I want to see if they get off to a slow start like they did at the beginning of Game One and go in Game and get a cheaper price on them here against Golden or excuse me against Denver because I just don't like the Nuggets here.
2: All right, tomorrow night it's another another triple header. It's uh, the yeah. two, <clears throat> pardon me, the two one eight series sandwiching really the only you know upset of the weekend, which is. That the T Wolves took Game One from the Grizzlies. I want to get your reaction to that game. If you think that it it says a lot about that, you know, the character of both teams there, and if you think that the T Wolves are live to win this series, or if you think, you know, at, at the very least, that it's going the distance here. What do you think about this game? Where the Grizzlies Game Two are favored once again by uh, yeah. six and a half.
4: Yeah. And so I was surprised because over the weekend, uh, the market got as high as seven and a half in in favor of Memphis. And I get it. You know, I guess like zigzag, all that kind of stuff. We use those uh, those betting trends when it comes to the NBA. But I was on Minnesota in game one. I'm going to be on them again here in game two. While I like the Grizzlies to win this series for the website, I picked them in seven. And I was just really surprised by the group. Think of like ah, Memphis is going to roll here. These two teams split a four-game series. Uh, It is the Minnesota Timberwolves in that four-game series with a plus 8.1 net rating, not the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, It is the Minnesota Timberwolves who have a little bit of a mismatch with Carl Anthony Towns taking on Stephen Adams, which we saw play out in that game one matchup. And Anthony Edwards was brilliant in that game in multiple facets, whether it was half-court settings, transition, all of these things. And I think the Memphis Grizzlies have a lot of questions to ask themselves. You know, in the regular season series, they used a lot of drop coverage. And what happened was D'Angelo Russell took advantage of that, scored 30 points on them per game by the way and was brilliant in working in that little area of the floor however on Saturday what they do well they started pressuring on the the, on the perimeter so what did that mean well that meant Carl Anthony Towns could get John Morant switched on him which opened up the entire floor like there's just matches here that work in the Timberwolves favor but it's also on the other end The, the Grizzlies were brilliant in transition but at the end of the day to me these two teams are much closer than the market's giving them credit for. And in, in the four games, nobody in this series laid higher than four and a half points. And that was Memphis at home in one of those games. Now the market's all the way up to seven and a half here because they expect them to come back. The Grizzlies are a good team, but the market, I think, has gotten a little overzealous in, in power rating them as high as they are. So my strategy coming in was, well, I thought the Grizzlies were going to win. I'm going to bet on Minnesota on a game-to-game basis until I either you know lose everything or until the market makes an adjustment. And so far in one game, I've been correct.
2: I'm with you. you give me all those yeah. points, I'll take the T Wolves. And by the way, I know Ja had thirty, but that was about the quietest thirty you'll ever you'll ever see in any postseason game.
4: It was twenty attempts at the free throw line, right? Yeah. And then everybody else, everybody else was kind of quiet in that regard. Like their half court offense is really bad. I think the offense rating in half court is like ninety three point seven. You know, if you look at it from a stature standpoint. A bunch of six, 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 seven guys who are able to defend in those half-court settings against a somewhat smaller team in Memphis. So again, Memphis is really good. People are going to take this as disrespect. I just think the power rating is a little high on them at this point.
2: All right, we got a minute here. JVT, Brooklyn and Boston was everything we yeah. could have hoped it to, was going to be in Game One. What was your big takeaway? Boston three and a half point favorites. We have to wait till Wednesday for Game Two.
4: Yeah, my takeaway is that Kevin Durant was bad in that game, and they still almost won. Like, I just it's it's so hard when you look at a team with Brooklyn and the offensive town, and Kyrie Irving being motivated the way that he is, flipping double birds, and and really wanting to stick it to Boston, and playing at the level that he did, and still giving his team a a chance to win that game. I think it's just what you said. This is exactly what this series is going to be. It is going to be very hard fought. There's going to be tight games that come down to almost every single final possession. And I just find it hard for any single side to kind of lay points because it's just going to be this tight of a contest every time around.
2: Yeah, Celtics were up 15, and, it, yep. and in a 10 minute span, that lead completely dissipate, uh, dissipated, uh spanning from the third to the fourth quarter. It was just an unbelievable game. Uh, Durant did have a terrible first half, that's for
0: sure. JVT, we'll talk
2: to you many times between now and.